Welcome to episode 15 of Design Much, How to Front, a special conference episode featuring Andy and Patrick. Okay, Andy, what did we do last Thursday and Friday? Where did we go? What did we do? Last Thursday and Friday. Yeah, last we Thursday went, and Friday. We went to a magical place. <laughs> we went to Disneyland? No, it's not that magical. No. It's definitely a tier below Disneyland. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Slightly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, but we went to a conference here in Salt Lake City. It's, a good one. A good one, mind you. It's a good one, yeah. It's, yeah. it's a yearly conference. It's called Front um and it's for ux designers and product managers Mm -hmm. wait wait i'm gonna say i'm gonna i'm gonna strike it down once just a little bit it was really product manager heavy this time yeah it kind of was kind of was felt project heavy like yeah not project product management heavy Mm -hmm. felt pm heavy this time i think i'd have not necessarily a bad thing but a lot of data yeah a lot of talking about data and a lot of research this time yeah that's kind of hard for designers you're getting there and you see like lots of like, here's some percentages. <laughs> Let's talk about conversion rates, guys. Yeah. That's that's kind of hard. It's hard to sit through. <laughs> yeah. Especially when we're analyzing the pie charts and going, why do they put those two colors together? Yeah. Why why is the label off? Where's the drop shadow? Where's the this? drop shadow? <laughs> why do they use a pie chart instead of a donut chart? Like we don't even know what the data is because we're looking at yeah. the charts themselves. Yeah, that's hard for us. No, front's been good. I, I, I'm not exactly sure how long it's been going on. Three, four years? I think it's been uh, here three. In Utah, I think Salt this Lake is. City. I think this is the number. The number three. Is this three? They mentioned two before this. Um, I want to say four. Really? Yeah, because I want to say there was the one where it was like in a warehouse. Remember, Nate said it was in a warehouse. Yeah. And then there was the one where it was at the the, the concert you? hall. That was the first one I went to. Oh, okay. And then there was the one at the like the uh, the, the depot, one the, right? Well, that was the depot, the concert hall one. Oh, okay. I got you. And then there was the one at the U last year, and then this one. So I think if I do my math correctly, that's four. That sounds like four. But maybe we throw the first one out. I don't know. I don't we'll know. say the three. <laughs> this is my second <clears throat> um, time time attending front. Mm-hmm. So this is two for me. Yeah. Yeah. So really only two. There's only been Cause two. Because in your world, there's only been two. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the second one that they've had. No, this is the fourth one. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so we wanted to we wanted to chat about our experience what we what we got what we the lessons learned like if we were to bring all of these uh speakers onto the podcast and do a lessons learned segment on every single one of these can we do that right so yeah. let's go through let's do a little lessons learned segment <laughs> on all the people that we that, that spoke at the conference now i'm going to be up front get it oh <laughs> i didn't attend every single one of those because sometimes I was I was outside doing other things, but um, yeah. Do you want to go ahead and kick us off, Andy? Yeah. Some lessons learned. Yeah, and I, and I also want to note as well, like um, all the speakers did a great job, but I'm only going to take tell you guys about some notes that I took for some of the speakers. Yeah, because we we could go on for two hours. We could go on for two days. Yeah. Like two whole days, just like front. Two, just like front. Right? We could just go over the slides and talk about every slide. Yeah, but we don't have that kind we of. We do time. a twelve-part podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in reality, what we're going to do today is just talk about what stood out to us, um, 
and like what how we kind of see that through our lens like as as designers um so um so kicking off um the first speaker i believe he was a first speaker was benjamin earl evans um Mm -hmm. a designer from airbnb um and he talked about a lot of great stuff and something that stuck out a lot to me is like how he said we all have bias um he, he talked about how um he and his team were trying to solve a problem and there's a lot of people in the room trying to solve this this solution you know hanging up their post-it notes and everything and nobody could come to a solution together um but they finally realized as a team they were trying to solve a problem about bias without addressing their own biases Mm -hmm. um, which is that's totally true and i think that's something that a lot of us designers fall into well that was that was like a lot of uh um, that's kind of an eye-opening thing to to hear. Yeah. Like, oh, you, we're trying to do this bias thing, but we <laughs> we haven't even looked. We haven't even looked at ourselves yet. Yeah. Yeah. What was the name? See, what was like his, the team that he leads? The design team. It's basically like a, a diversity and accessibility design team, right? Yeah, I think I don't know what the name. I was can't exactly. remember the exact name, but I thought that was that was one thing I learned was like a company has that. First yeah. of all, like it's amazing. There's a company that has that, and the second of all, I was like, oh yeah, it's Airbnb, so. <laughs> they have a design team for everything, which I think is great. Mm-hmm. Like their their design is like part of their blood, right? It's part of who they are as a company. Um, and that's the one thing that you, uh, speaking of the bias and recognizing your own bias, one thing you talked about was um, trying to replicate all of those real world experiences that people are having mm-hmm. um, with kind of yourself, like, and, and how those users actually go through all of these real world things. And they tried to replicate a lot of those things. And tried to like come to inclusion and realize stuff on those things, so they could kind of come through their own bias. Yeah, so they actually tried to experience it. Mm-hmm. So they're not just like saying, "Well, I, I'm pretty sure this is probably what happened." Yeah, they're telling us this story, but I'm sure this is what happened. Well, he and he brought up he brought up like the we've kind of I think most of us have probably heard it before, but he brought up like the founding kind of principles of Airbnb too. Where like that's what they did, you know, when they when they were struggling, um, they went out and and like experience what people are experiencing so they can kind of better understand yeah so yeah. contextual inquiry is a buzzword for that one yeah it's good stuff it's important <laughs> and i wish as a designer i could do that more um but it's not easy to do and it's not easy to like get the, the budget or the time to do it for designers mm-hmm. um but i think it's something we could go get our cpa like a canopy would to be to, to try to connect with our tax our tax <laughs> professionals we could go out and like you know, go get an MBA and then we could take the CPA exam and yeah. then we could go out and we could maybe do some people's taxes. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. <laughs> See how that works. See, I told you it takes a lot of time. How many years is that? Just so yeah. I can design a, a task tool so, <laughs> <Yeah>. they, can, <laughs> so they can do their taxes. <laughs> um, but what I really loved is he he talked about like some solutions around this, this problem. Um, so not only putting themselves in, in the shoes by actually experiencing those, um, but like as a team, when they were running into those, those problems, when they, they haven't tried to solve their own or address their own biases. Um, he talked about like three actual steps that you can do to address your own biases as a team. And what they did is they created a space where their assumptions can, can be defined um, and they can come to a shared vision, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so like the first one he said was like, identify your assumptions. So everybody's a team got up from what I remember and said, like, here's what I assume about this project. Um, and then they would seek out diverse thinking. So they wouldn't just when they're like recruiting people to to um, to test or to interview, they're not just looking for the same people or people that have the same ideas that they have. Yeah. 
confirmation bias. Wow. Right? <laughs> um, they looked for people that had different ideas than them. Um, and that were um, different, come from different backgrounds and all that stuff, mm-hmm. which is so great. Um, we should put a pin in that because that'll come back to what Cameron Mull talked about later on. All right. The next day. Yeah. About building design teams. I really like that. Pin, pin Pinned. placed. Ping. Ping. Um, and finally, you said you have to create a space where perspectives can align. Um, so th- so with, with all this information out there, um, you can actually say, like, here's your assumptions. Here's my assumptions. Here's um, different views that we didn't have before. And let's let's um, bring our assumptions together. Let's, yeah. <laughs> let's put our perspectives together <laughs> so we can um, align on, on this information and try to solve a problem. Mm-hmm. And I think this can really help with, with teams with lots of people that are trying to figure out um, solutions to problems as well as a sole designer without like, you know, bringing in your own biases and assumptions. Yeah. So this was, this was really great. I thought it was really powerful too. Another really powerful thing that he talked, that he said, I don't know. I just wrote it down. I know he said it and it was powerful for me, uh, <laughs> was embrace the edge cases. Don't eliminate them. Okay. Yeah. Which I think we do all the time. Right. And I think that's kind of like, if you're out there creating personas, I think that's one thing that's always irritated me about personas is that's exactly what you do. You're, you're trying to, you're trying to find the most common case and then mm-hmm. you're designing that. And that goes back to what we talked with, uh, Andrew, but only designing for the happy path, right? Yeah. Um, if you're only designing for those particular personas, then what about these edge cases? And like in the case of like accessibility and like in, in their, <clears throat> in Airbnb's case, like if they don't address these edge cases, then like they lose, the, like there's a huge market share for people that they're losing out on completely if totally. they don't address those. And that could be a, yeah, definitely a yeah. big share that you're not thinking about. Yeah. So I like what he said about don't eliminating them and embrace those edge cases. Yeah. That may be not the only reason why you design, you know, obviously, mm-hmm. but, um, but yeah, don't, don't always eliminate them. Don't just be like, eh, that's only 10% of our market. Never <laughs> mind. Um, yeah. So I thought that was, I thought that was really good too. That's very cool. And like I loved the, how this talk weaved um, the idea of like designing to solve discrimination. Mm-hmm. Um, something that was really great is like it's like so pragmatic. Like you can also help your users have less of a bias by opening up their worldview of other users. Mm-hmm. So when you're designing something, you're typically saying like, "Here's a solution for you," and you're always saying like, "You're the the rock star. You're the person yeah. I'm trying to help because you're the user and everything." And you communicate <laughs> that in the design, but like they actually had like illustrations that they would display to their users indicating, Hey, there's other types of people in this world that are different than you. (laughs) Well, especially (laughs) from the people who, who rent or who are renting, who are letting people come stay at their house. Yeah, exactly. That was really powerful because they, they not only just like gave them the ability to create that space for other people to come into their home, Mm -hmm. but also they taught them about what was necessary. Yeah. Like to, to have somebody like if you want, if you want somebody who, who is in a wheelchair to come stay in your space, like what do you need to have? And this, here's why you need to have it mm-hmm. and what they go through. Like it basically it's just adding that same empathy that we try to get when we design an application, but between the users. Yeah. Right. So cool. And like how I, I love that because they were essentially educating their users on accessibility mm-hmm. because their users have a service they offer. They get, yeah. here's my house, come stay at it. But they're missing a part of the market that doesn't, that can't come to their house because they're not accessible. Yeah. So like they have to educate like their users on being well, accessible. He brought up too, it to started that. out with like so just cool. a list of switches, right? Their first design pass. Yeah. Their early design was just a list of switches. Like I have 
I have stairs. I don't have stairs. I have railings. I don't have railings. Like it was just like a list of accessibility features, like mm-hmm. just things, right? But that didn't really resonate either with any of their users um, and sort of was getting in the way, right? People were like, well, why would I even do this? I'm not even going to worry about that, you know, yep. until they until they actually brought it out and said, um, you know, here's the value you'll create. Here's what it is. And they made it They made it something that their, their users should pay attention to. Yeah. And then it was like, people are like, oh, yeah, I would totally do that. That's cool, you know, and they got more involved and. Yeah, totally elevated the whole conversation. So awesome. They like had those like awesome illustrations that they would display to their users. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's not just there's not, <laughs> there's other people in this world, <laughs> and they would display that. I just I just love like the ways they they uh, the I guess the steps they took to educate accessibility, mm-hmm. um, which is a really hard thing to do. Yeah. Um, even designers, we forget about accessibility. Yeah. <laughs> so, like educating other people about it, educating um, your other your users of why it's important that there's yeah. this thing in there that exists. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, and I love what he said. He, I think I wrote down a quote. I think he said this: "Create a world where we all belong through design." Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Yeah, that goes on a t-shirt. Right? Yeah. <laughs> awesome stuff. So that that was a really great talk. Um. And I, I think that that brought some stuff out in me. Like, I, I think we should try to do that more if we can. Yeah. Get rid of our biases. Um, think more about accessibility um, and educate people on the differences of other people in this world. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was great stuff. Um, and did you have anything else you want to add to that? Uh, not, not to that one. I think we cool. Yeah, cover everything. Um, so another one that I wanted to go over was... Um, and I'm probably gonna butcher her name. I, I'm I'm gonna really butcher her name. Oh, um, Ariel. I think it's Ariel. Oh yeah. Um, but I, I have no idea how to say her last name. I I don't know either, and <laughs> and I would totally embarrass myself. Uh, she's the host of Mixed Methods podcast. Yeah, and she's a she's a UX researcher at LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah. And I she's thought, great. I've seen I've seen her speak a few times. And I always thought she was pretty good. Definitely, yeah. I, I really I enjoyed hers as well. Um, and like she, one thing that stuck out to me is when she was talking about like when you're doing like A B A B testing, right? And something that stuck out was like don't just like um, when you're testing and you're doing the research, don't just test A versus B versus C concepts, mm-hmm. um, but actually test like behavior-based objectives. I thought that was really cool. So ask yourself, do your users, or like what do your users want to be able to accomplish um, when they're going through this, um, this yeah. thing? What, it, what is, do they actually want to do and which, which of these options allow them to be able to accomplish the way they want to use that app? So different users might want to go through and um, just be really quick and go through this happy path super quick. Super quick. Um, others want to be able to do it in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, so Instead of just saying like this one won because because it had a better <laughs> conversion rate, but why? Yeah. Right. This one was thirty percent higher, but what's the reason for thirty percent? Exactly. Yeah. So like actually asking the why and and finding out the behavior behind um, those types of tests tests is something that definitely stuck out to me um, for her. So I, I definitely like that one a lot too. Yeah, she had she had a lot of really good stuff on on kind of an overview of user research and how they use it at LinkedIn. One thing I liked. One thing I've heard her say this before. One thing I like is they have their. Uh, uh, she developed like the user research bento box. I think is what she called it. Oh yeah. 
And uh, basically, it's just like a toolkit, right? Just like a toolkit that a designer can use because like researchers... Uh, having enough researchers at a company is probably like never like you're never going to have enough researchers <laughs> at, at any company. <laughs> Definitely. Um, <clears throat> and so being able to have somebody put together like a, a research toolkit or like what she called a bento box, right? And then you're able to like grab that toolkit and go out and um, and do the research that you need as a product designer, UX designer, or whatever uh, with those tools and just things like. Yeah, this is how you interview correctly without, you know, adding bias to the conversation or this is how you don't lead somebody through a user interview or this is the tool you need to use for a user interview. Yeah. Like, I thought that was really kind of cool to have that, um, those toolkits available for everybody so they can go out and do the research without a big, complicated, kind of more user research project. Yeah. So I love that. That would be super awesome to have. <laughs> mm-hmm. So. We should we should get that too. Should we should we do that? Yeah, just right. yeah, just, just copy paste. We'll do it. <laughs> or you can write it up for me, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Um, so yeah, so moving on, um, another um, product design um, talk that stuck out to me was uh, Vicky Tan. Mm-hmm. So she is a product designer at Headspace, um, and it was great to, to, have, to have that first. <laughs> Um, meditation session. Did you meditate? Have you have? Did you ever use Headspace before then? No, I never. Oh. I think I've heard of it, but I've never. I didn't know what it was. Yeah. Um. So that was that was my first time ever doing anything like that. Yeah. And I thought that was great. It was pretty cool. Like I, I used Headspace a while ago. It was uh, it was I think it was Nate Sanders a couple of years ago who mentioned something about how he would meditate, and so I tried it and I I downloaded Headspace. Okay. And uh, so I was one of the first that didn't have the new design that she talked about. <laughs> uh, but that was fun because she did it live on stage. Yeah. Like she came out and uh, she's like, hey, before we get going, I want, we want, we're going to, we're going to take three minutes and, and meditate. Yeah. And we listened to, his name was Andy. Yes. I don't know if you know this. Yes. Yeah. People with smooth voices are named Andy <laughs> apparently. Uh, but yeah, he, uh, uh, the, the owner, I guess he's the owner and the founder, one of the creators of Headspace. Uh, she played a three-minute thing, uh, and we all meditated in our chairs. Yeah. Well, some of us. I kind of peeked and looked you, at some you people. You peeked? Yeah. I don't always meditate with my eyes closed. Really? Yeah, because I will fall asleep a lot of times. <laughs> Dude, maybe that's part of the meditation process, <laughs> getting a little bit of sleep. I mean, if you don't know who I am, I can nap anywhere. Anywhere? I can nap anywhere. I've never seen you nap. Yeah, because I don't try to nap at work. That's that's odd. Oh, Okay. But well, I can nap anywhere. And how, if you said go take a nap, I'd be like, I'm down. I'll go take a nap. Let's do this. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna keep talking, and I want to see if you'll fall asleep. <laughs> I totally <laughs> to my, could. My smooth voice. <laughs> um, no, but the meditation thing was really cool. Yeah. It was cool to do it as like 500, 600 people in the hallway, just super quiet. <laughs> I, I'm not gonna lie. I peaked too. I wanted to see that looping video. I want to see if it was still looping. Yeah, that's all. That's all. And you can meditate without your eyes, without your eyes closed, man. I thought I was totally cheating when I did that, but anyway, it was great. Like (laughs) I, I felt good after that. I was ready to to start learning some more. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna probably try that app out. Still haven't yet, but I think I might. Should it's good. Good stuff. So, um, she talked about some interesting stuff about Mm -hmm. that that really stuck out to me is like how to understand, um, your users' habits and why that's important. Yes. Um, so cool. Um, and I hadn't really thought about this very much. Um, but like understanding their habit habits will help you understand like for the first thing was like triggers. So what causes them to actually use your product? And 
um, thinking about that, that first thing was like, whoa, that's a great question. Well, and her, her talk revolved around a redesign that they did on the onboarding yeah. of their application. Yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, and like that, so that, that just really stuck out to me. Like you should really understand why, and, and this will help you solve the problem. <laughs> and here's the actual reason for the app existing, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, understand um, what causes them to use the product. And then like the second one was action. Like what, what causes, you know, like what actions are those triggers inciting in the product? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the third one was reward. So like how, how are they feeling when they're using those actions? Like what feedback are they yeah. getting and how do they feel about it? Yeah. How are they being rewarded by doing what they're doing? Right? Yeah. Um, and like if, if there's enough reward and if it's good reward, they're going to invest in it. So they're mm-hmm. going to, and investment was, I think one thing she mentioned was time, of course, like um, they're going to put more into your, your app and give you more time and really make this part of their life. Um, so if you understand those things, you can really understand like what motivates your users um, to actually use this. Um, and she talked also a lot about um, how to v- avoid designing around assumptions because mm-hmm. when they initially designed their their onboarding experience, it was based on assumptions. But later they implemented, from what I understand, they implemented these steps to understand the habits so that they could actually <laughs> avoid designing uh, with these assumptions yeah. and figure out, okay, here's... here's Here's what uh, motivates them to open the app to, you know, to work in it and what rewards them to keep using it, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was really cool. Um, she also talked a lot about, like, the information you can get. And all There's the, the data and how you're going to get a lot of data, but it can't help you understand. It can't help make a decision for you entirely. It can really yeah. help. Um, but... I think, as she said, like intuition can help fill in the gaps. So you mm-hmm. have to actually, <laughs> you have to make some decisions um, based on your gut um, from from all the, this habitual information yeah. you get. Someone she said, I think this was her like direct quote. She said, uh, "Data can't make decisions for us." Uh, and I talked to somebody later on that day that said that's a lie. <laughs> but I also, I, I was also like, well, I mean. It, it can like it, you can you can get data like oh everybody's going here everybody's going here yeah but like um it's not actually like it's the way you interpret that data that makes the decision yeah it's not the data itself and i think that's what she was trying to to get across is like data gives you it gives you all of the information that you need to kind of see the the landscape of what's happening um <clears throat> and it can help you understand a little bit of the why it's happening mm-hmm. but then the one thing she brought up at the end was that we have to use we also have to use our intuition and what we know and what we like and, and our expertise, right? Yeah. Not just all the user data and all of what the users say, but our expertise to go, okay, this makes sense and this makes sense. This doesn't make sense. We're not going to do that. Yeah. Right. Even though there's data that says we should do that. Um, so it really can't like it, it, it shouldn't. I, I guess, I guess she probably, I guess like in my mind, I was thinking data shouldn't make all the decisions for us in my mind. Yeah. Um, because because if we're just making data, like we're just, if we just do that, then I could pull data right now and make a decision on like somebody clicking that button, but we've never investigated why we've never looked at the user experience. We've never really talked about it. We've never really talked about with each other as a design team, how it affects on a larger scale. And and then just being able to use like a gut reaction, right. Mm-hmm. To be like, yeah, I think this is the right way to go. She said, uh, I don't know if she said this. I don't, 
or, or if this is what I interpreted, but um, she also talked about building intuition, building that intuition and being better at understanding your intuition. Yeah. I don't know if you got any notes on that. No. I wrote down, uh, um, she said something about after the data and after the research, after you understand the data and you understand why, now it's your turn to use your intuition to make the final decision. Hmm. And I think this is a place where I think I've struggled uh, when we hire designers or when I talk to other designers who don't have this. Because this to me is really important for a design team of having like, I need somebody who can actually pull the trigger at the end of the day. Like you have all of this data and you have all of this other stuff and you have all these reasonings behind it and you have all these user paths and mental models and all these other things that we that we generate, right, to help us make decisions. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like it's still up to you to actually just use your best judgment and and pull the trigger and make the decision. And I think like one part that I kind of wish she would have focused on a lot more, or I want to hear more about, like would be in like another conference talk, like maybe next year, would be uh, how to be intentional about building intuition, how to practice understanding intuition. Like, yeah. I think that would be a super interesting thing to, to, to dive deeper into. That's true. Um, because yeah, thinking about that, like you get, as you said, you get all of this data from all of these different paths, um, from all these different sources, right? And data, as they say, data doesn't lie. But the problem with that is it can be interpreted differently. Mm -hmm. So like there, that's where the intuition comes. And that's where you as a designer, as the product manager, have to make a decision. Um, so that, that's a great point. Like, how do you build <laughs> the intuition <laughs> so that you can make the right decision? Because yeah. I can I can look at some data and you can look at some data and we can come back in our own minds <laughs> like, okay, this means totally like two different things. <laughs> and I can make a decision on my thing and it could be biased. Yeah. Yours could be biased. Um, so how do we make the right decision? Mm -hmm. um, so that, that's a great, I would love to. Well, then be able to. to trust yourself, be able to trust your intuition and yeah. trust who you are yeah. and trust your experience to, to interpret that data correctly and then make a decision. Right. And then I, I think that, I think that's a huge deeper conversation we could have. Um, <laughs> that I think she brought up, uh, so thank goodness she brought it up cause yeah. I've been thinking about it all weekend. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's an awesome topic. We should have somebody on. <laughs> We should talk about it on the <laughs> yeah. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I think that's why, Patrick, that our job isn't going to be replaced by robots just yet. Because yeah, because intuition. They don't have intuition yet. Yeah. <laughs> so we're good, man. <laughs> we're safe. <laughs> Super awesome talk. Um, so the next one, I just have a small note. Um, so Josh Brewer, the CEO, and Tim Van Dam, the product designer of Abstract. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't get to hear all of this. I kind of came in late. Um, but one thing that just stuck out to me, it's really simple, but this happens all the time. Like they, they talked about um, when you like get stuck on a design. I, I assume this was Tim that, that mentioned this. When you're stuck on a design, he said, just take a breath, just calm down. Because <laughs> I get stuck on designs all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, what do I do? There's like so many things. Like I, I don't know where to do this. And what he said is just take a breath and calm down. And then next, just start solving the simplest problem problem first of this mm -hmm. design and like that was that was such a great like a reminder there like i need to just take it easy yeah. i have this problem i have to solve but i can't figure it out so i'm just, just gonna calm the hell down Andy. <laughs> calm <Jeez>. down <laughs> just do do some meditation on the headspace app yeah. and um just like start solving something that i know and then like the rest i think will come yeah so i love this this really simple thing that i took from it and um they also had a slide at the very end 
This is a great slide, and we talk about this a lot. I guess just a little bit. It said, "Be humble." <laughs> yeah, it did. <laughs> that was great. Sit um, down. <laughs> um, so I didn't. I didn't get a lot of notes from that one, unfortunately. But that that um, yeah. was a good. The time. be humble thing was the one that stuck out to me. Yeah, biggest, because it was huge. Yeah. First of all, and I thought <laughs> it, could, it it basically can sum up. Uh, <clears throat> I think the difference between a, a good designer and, and a bad designer. Yeah. I think it's like probably the one thing that you can, <laughs> you can draw the line on. <laughs> That's true. That's definitely true. <laughs> that and being able to make good decisions. Your intuition. Yeah, well, right? It starts with humility. It starts with humility, yeah. but it ends with good decisions. Yeah. <laughs> and then humility decisions. again. It's kind of a, it's a, it's a sandwich. I think it's a it's sandwich. A, it's a humble sandwich. <laughs> It starts with humility. It's not a pie. I, I grew up. Everybody told me it was humble pie. Humble and now pie? you're trying. Now you're trying to go. <laughs> now you're trying to go. Well, it's a sandwich. Well, explain the pie. I don't the understand. humble pie. Like well, you never told me, hey, you just ate some humble pie. I've never heard that before. Like you crash on your bike. You're trying to do a wheelie on your bike when you're a kid, and then uh, you crash. You're like getting all cocky. You're like, yeah, look at me. I can do a wheelie. And then you get a park car like I did when I was a kid. And then you fall over, and then your dad's like, "Yeah, you had to eat some humble pie on that one, didn't you?" Like that kind of thing. I've You've ne- never had. I've that? never heard that, but I think it's just because I'm oh, man. super humble. Probably. I don't know. By you saying that means that you're not. Humble. I know. I, that's why I like started I you saying know it really slow because I was like, "Oh crap! I just, <laughs> I just lost some humility points right there." <laughs> no, I like, the, I like the, I like the humble sandwich. I like that because I'm not a big pie fan. But I, I like either. sandwiches. Sandwiches are wonderful. I, I quite frankly, we could we could do this in a whole other episode. I quite frankly don't understand why anybody eat pie. No, it doesn't make any sense to me. You get some fruit and you put sugar on it and you put it in some dough. That's yeah. basically pie. All like, fine ingredients, but why would you put them together? It doesn't make any no, sense. No, no. I am a I am a cake person yeah. personally. The only pie I really enjoy is pizza pie. That's the only pie. Pizza pie. <laughs> That's a great. <laughs> Could be a good pizza pie any day. <laughs> <laughs> or a calzone the pizza sandwich either either oh, way there we go any form of pizza yeah yeah you yeah. know <laughs> no, i shouldn't say this never mind i think you have to say it dude <laughs> no. i'm not gonna say it <clears throat> all right where were we <laughs> um it's so moving along um uh brian crofts the yeah. cpo Chief Product Officer, the C three PO. I think he had three in there. I think there, I think it was yeah. C three PO. That's that what it was. The Chief Three PO. <laughs> <laughs> you you could only do that if you had three three POs, right? If you only had, you'd have to have three CPOs. Because <laughs> you have C one PO, you'd have Chief First Product Officer. Okay. Chief second product officer, okay, chief that. third product officer, and yes. really everybody knows the only reason why you have three is so you give that guy the C three PO. I will take that position <laughs> any day. That sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, Brian Crops, the, the CP three O, um, <laughs> and um, Adrian, and her last name is a kind of difficult one. It's like I don't, I don't want to try her last name, either. <laughs> but Adrian, who's <laughs> Um, the senior product designer at Pendo. Um, good product. We use Pendo. We use Pendo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so just a, a couple quick notes. Um, as they were talking about like kind of the culture experience and how you can work together as a team. 
Um, and some really awesome points that stuck out to me is a, a culture of zero failures is um, counterproductive. Mm. Like they, they talked about, like you should allow your team to make mistakes. Um, you need to create a feeling of safety to allow teams to fail. Yeah. Um, and I think that safety is like um, if if I'm a designer and I feel like I messed up on a design, I failed on a design. I'm afraid I'm going to like lose my job. And so I'm never going to mess up on design. I'm never going to allow myself to mess up. Yeah, it's crazy. And, so, and that's a problem. That's a big problem because if mm-hmm. I, I can't fail as a designer, as we said, I think the last episode, we're conditioned to fail. Like we're, mm-hmm. did I say the last episode? Or were we just talking? I don't really uh, know. I can't remember. But like as designers, we're like, we're supposed to fail. We're supposed to fail so we can learn what the, the right solution is. That's the whole point because we're, we're, we're experimenting. Yeah. Design is an experimentation. Right? Exactly. And so like if, if we feel like we can't fail, um, if a team feels like they can't fail, if they you know they write code, they 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 publish something, then they're never going to make any risks. They're never going to take any risks, mm-hmm. and the product is going to absolutely suffer for that. Yeah, um, let's put a pin in that one too because that goes back to Cameron Mall again. Oh no! Yeah, <laughs> everything's is everything coming back to You're Cameron? just saying he might be the vortex of this whole thing. Maybe, jeez, jeez, Louise. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the. the that point was really cool. I, I liked um, mm-hmm. um, how we can do that. And I don't know if they, if I didn't hear it or if they didn't discuss really how to make that sort of um, environment in your team. Um, but I would like to know more about that. Like yeah. how do you create that space where people are allowed to fail? And maybe it's more just like encourage, encourage concepts, encourage, um, I don't know. A well, lot encourage, of, encourage learning from the failure, not just failing, yeah. not just crashing and burning, but like, <laughs> Like, why did that crash and burn and what could we do better next time? Yeah. Because that's the whole point of experimenting is you pour two liquids together and if it blows your face off, then you're like, well, I guess I shouldn't pour, pour those two liquids together, right? <laughs> but sometimes when you pour those two liquids together, you might you might think something cool might get you. A frog might jump out of there and you're like, whoa, we just created a frog. Like, yeah, that's awesome. Exactly. How do we go back and do it? Yeah. So, yeah, how do we replicate this? And I think that's part of the thing too. I don't know if, I don't know if they talked or if he talked about it or they talked about it, but um, – Part of failure is replication and knowing why, knowing the reason why you were successful and knowing the reason why you failed. Yeah. So you either you either can replicate that failure to learn again, or or replicate the success based on what you did. Yep. So I think I think that was I think that's yeah it was it's really good concepts. Definitely, and that's that's how you learn, right? That's how you get better. So that's super awesome, and that that concludes my notes. That's that concludes that's what, your notes. We yeah. didn't talk about Cameron Mall. <laughs> no. I'm, I'm waiting for you, man. You have all these, these yeah. pins. Uh, <laughs> all these pins. I don't even know what we did. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, I, I had some notes on um, Counter Mole. I, uh, I, if, if you're out there and you know me like from Twitter or anything like that, or <laughs> you know I, I hate Facebook. I really, like, <laughs> I, I, I really don't like Facebook m- much at all. Um, we can go into that another day. We can have a... We have a psychological go into the brain of, of me and figure that out. Yeah. Um, but he had a really powerful talk um, about uh, he, he basically talked about all the different things like building a design team and everything like that um, and talked about one, one thing that he talked about, too, that really stuck out to me that I had notes on was um, when you're building like a design system or a team, uh, you want to build unity over uniformity or conformity. Yeah. Right. And I think a lot of these early design systems that we build it's to it's to document something 
um, that's that's there, right? To have these standards and then make sure everybody conforms to those standards. But he mm-hmm. kind of spun that back around and said, "Okay, well, but does that lead to un? That does that lead? Does conformity lead to unity, or does it lead to other things like you know people leaving the company because they don't want to be told what to do or whatever?" Um, and so I like the concept of unity, like these design systems and what we do as a design team. We have principles and we have all these things to unite the design team, or unite the products together, yeah. not to conform to a, a standard, right? And then he talked about um, just uh, trying to build that as having a certain level of, uh, of defensibility, right, when it comes to a variance. Like if, if you're going to design something that's different than what's in the style guide or what's what we conform to as a product, like can you actually defend that? And then what, what is the, what is the level of it? Like how much does it make? Like how, what's the impact on that? Yeah. Um, and kind of the overall thing that we've talked about here at Canopy was like, um, yeah, our, our app doesn't, isn't real consistent at this point. I mean, it's consistent, but it's not as consistent as we would think it should be by like the letter of the law, the yeah. standard. Uh, but also like when we've, when we've talked to users and when we've, uh, done surveys with users, our users feel like it's consistent. So obviously we've created some kind of unity um, in the application, and I don't I don't really know what it is. We'll have to we'll have to investigate that more. But I think that's kind of what he was talking about is having some sort of unity. And I also applied that to like our design team, where we all kind of come from different perspectives um, and different different walks of life and different uh, uh, levels and different skills and different uh, levels of experience. We come together to form. Uh, we, we we unite to come together to be better designers, right? Yeah. Instead of hiring, that's was that what we pinned earlier? Is I can't remember now exactly <laughs> what we pinned at the beginning, but uh, we don't want to hire like uh, one one kind of thing we have here at Canopy that I've tried to instill is I don't want to hire myself, right? Yeah. Like we don't yeah. want to hire our own people. We don't want to hire ourselves. We want to hire people that can that can fill the void of ourselves. Like I should know the strengths and weaknesses of me, and then find somebody else to work with me that can fill that can fill my weakness, and I can fill their weakness. Right. So, like it, it comes down to like the whole like the Power Rangers concepts, <laughs> or like the Ninja Turtles, or any any '80s cartoon you want to come up with, <laughs> any '80s or '90s cartoon you come up with. You take you take a group of people that are vastly different. But they come together, they unite together, right? Under yeah. some common principles and some stuff like that. And I think that's kind of what I got out of it was, for me, it was more reassuring that um, the direction we've kind of gone here can be with the with the uh, building design team and building our product is is kind of that way. I just liked how he said it because it was like unity over uniformity was yeah. like brilliant. That's like, like, other than be humble, like that's a good bumper sticker, right? <laughs> Um, and I like too that he said, like specifically with a design system, a design, a design system should be facilitated. It shouldn't be. Uh, it shouldn't be policed. It shouldn't be a set of standards that you police. Yeah, I really like that. And then the other one that I uh, uh, I took a picture of one of, one of the only pictures I took of <laughs> at the conference because uh, I always forget to take out my phone and take a picture. Uh, he had focus on the people, so focusing on unity and then focusing on people. He had, uh, I missed the sixth step, but he had the, he had five steps in there. Uh, listen to a line. Uh, don't be a jerk to a, don't be a jerk to work with, which mm-hmm. is pretty common sense. Uh, don't let the essential get lost in the minutia, which I like because yeah. we get lost all the time and everything else that's going on. We forget the goal totally. Um, and then have strong opinions loosely loosely held. 
Um, and then the last thing, which goes back to the other pin that we just uh, talked about, was ship imperfect products. Ooh. That, that one that, that's is a, hard. That's a hard one. But it's a great one because that, again, is another, as we just talked about, like failure. That's another point of failure that yeah. we can learn from. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you don't want to ship like a like a garbage product. Definitely not. That's not what he was talking about. He's, no. he's like, he's like ship products that are most of the way there. Yeah. Right. And, and, the, and allow for some, some variance in there. Yeah. Allow for some little, little failure in there and then be ready. And I think he brought this up too, is like, be ready to perfect those products mm-hmm. after you ship them. You yeah. know, don't just be like ship them and then just leave them. Yeah. Don't just let them rot with their imperfection, but learn from that when you ship them. Definitely. And that that kind of goes back to all the different other, you could, you could probably buy 10,000 different books uh, about product, product development that has that same principle. But I just really liked how he just said like, yeah, another rule about being a person at the company is just be willing to ship imperfect products. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's perfect. True. I think it's great. I mean, you, it should not be a perfect thing. It, it can't be because um, you can't know every, every scenario when you're designing, when you're researching, you just can't know everything. So, I mean, we could take six months to design this little enhancement and, and ship it out. Or we could, you know, do our best in the, a smaller time mm-hmm. and still ship it out and learn a lot from it and yeah. make it better. Um, so, I, I like that point a lot. That's really great. Cool. Those are the those are the speaker notes I had that were that I, that I had listed for us. We've we've already we've already we've also gone through about thirty five minutes here. So. <laughs> Uh, a lot of good stuff. Yeah, ton of good stuff up front. If you're if you're uh, interested in fronts, it's always here in Salt Lake. Um, every year, it's about June. Mm-hmm. Usually, every year, I would suggest. I, I highly suggest coming back. Definitely do it. Uh, it yeah. was a it was a great experience. I, le- I learned a lot. There was a fire hose of information. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really great, and yeah. you get together with with all the designers that are local and ones that are coming from out of town. You get to meet mm-hmm. new people. It's a it's great good place. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so if you're out here in Salt Lake in June-ish and you want to come to a great conference, uh, come come to front. Come to front. Yeah. So yeah, we're having a great time, great conversation about what we learned uh, from the speakers at the front conference uh, here in Salt Lake City. Uh, if you want to continue that conversation, go ahead, like continue our conversation. If you're at front and you want to let us know, like we said the wrong thing or we interpreted wrong, <laughs> like, that's fine. Or, uh, or yeah, if you just want to continue the conversation, tell us what you learned from front because I think it's interesting to get other people's perspective from, from their point of view. Go ahead to designmuch.org, leave a comment on the page. Um, if you think that if you think this topic or you think some this kind of like wrap up thing we're doing. Uh, would benefit any of the designers on design team or anybody who couldn't make it a front. Feel free to share it. I mean, we're not going to like, we're not going to get mad if you share our podcast. No. Are we, Andy? I think we're going to get happy. Yeah. If you share our podcast. Yeah. So do that. Yeah, I would do it. I, I think it's just, yeah. Like pay it forward, right? If you share <laughs> our podcast, then the next person's going to, they're going to, they're going to help somebody change a flat tire. Yeah. So really what you're doing by sharing our podcast is is you're just making the world a better place honestly like let's, just, let's not beat around the bush which is why you're here in this world to make it a better place yes yeah, exactly and it, starts, it starts here it starts with you it starts with thinking about somebody else <laughs> that could be interested in this podcast and sharing it with them yeah um 
But hey, Andy, uh, enough about all the people on stage, right? Right. Like, do you do you really go to a conference to see only the people on the stage? Absolutely not. No. And we're from we 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 work and live in Utah here, right? And the front conference is in Salt Lake City, so mm-hmm. obviously we get to go see all of the other people that we used to work with, want to work with. We get we get an opportunity to go meet everybody and network with everybody else in the community, right? Yeah. Um, would you say on a scale of one to ten? <laughs> Um, as far as design communities, I know you've probably been involved in a lot of design so communities. So many. <laughs> uh, but on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rank our design community here in Salt Lake City, here in Utah? Man, that's a that's a tough one. Um, again, <laughs> um, I actually haven't been part of any other design community, so I have nothing to compare it to. Um, but I would give it an 8. I think we have a great design community. Yeah, I think we do too. Like, it's... It's all, we have so many awesome designers here that are really talented, that are so friendly, and that are just like here to, to help. If you yeah. go on the product hive, you join the Slack, you ask a question, you're going to get an answer. Yeah, it may not be the answer you're looking for, but you'll, <laughs> get, an be, you'll <laughs> get an answer. We, we, have, we have some great designers, great researchers, UX researchers, great product managers, and they're all, they're all coming to front. And it's awesome to yeah. be able to go and see them. So I would, I would give it an eight. Yeah. Yeah, I'd give it. An, I'd give it an eight. I give it like an eight plus. I'm not gonna say it's a ten, right? We can't ship. We we can't ship perfect products. No, community's not perfect. There's some there's some stuff in there, but I, yeah, I'd say it's like an eight and ten. I've been involved in the different community stuff around here for a long time, um, and and I think that's part of the reason why I like going to front conferences so I can go uh, hang out and learn from everybody else that's there, right? Like I'll ask them questions about how they do their process. It, you know, the things I'm thinking about, like. I'll go ask other people like, uh, how did you, how do you, what's your hiring process like? How yeah. do you hire people? Yeah. Or um, how do you manage a guy who can't stick to the design system? <laughs> or like you have all of these things, right? <laughs> like that that um, that you're thinking about, and everybody's there. Yeah, I had and that. I'm having fun, you know. I had that conversation with so many people. Like, how do you do this? Yeah. How is this like in your team? What is your um, <clears throat> what is your um, process like? Yeah. I had that conversation tons of times, mm-hmm. and it's super enlightening to hear that. Yeah, how how it. are other people doing it? Not not just the people on stage, but like yeah, how is uh, like when we were waiting for the what was the chicken place that we ate at the really good chicken it's, place? I think it's called Pretty Bird. Pretty Bird. It's Pretty yeah. Bird right behind the right behind the Eccles thing. It was a really good place. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna go there again because I'll tell you about another lesson I learned. But we met we met uh, like Dan Vineyard there and some of the guys, some of the other guys like Aaron and all those guys and. Uh, um, you know, just talk to them about what they're doing and how they're doing stuff. And um, just like, yeah, we do it over here. This way we do it here. Uh, over at Canopy, we do it this way. And over there, you do, oh, that's cool. Like, I wonder if we could, you know, yeah, like apply some of that. Yeah. So real, real good stuff, kind of more smaller bit stuff. Speaking of Pretty Bird, if you go to Pretty Bird for the first time ever, don't get hot chicken. No, don't get I hot would chicken. get the mild chicken. Start, start low. Yeah. Did you get mild? Because they have mild, medium, hot, and then like, Burn your bum, I think is what she called it, or something like <laughs> Burn that. Burn your bum. Sounds like a great thing to eat. Yeah. Um, I always go, when I get like a scale, I always get like one above the, the lowest. So I, I got medium. Yeah, you got medium? Yeah. It, it was fine, right? It was great. Your face didn't fall off? My face didn't fall off. See, my mouth was numb for the next two and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> I ate like five bites. I didn't eat like the whole, because that thing, the chicken sandwich was huge. It was huge. And I only ate like four or five bites. They're all making fun of me uh, at the table, and uh, I couldn't. I couldn't do it. It was too hot. But they had two levels of heat. See, I, I like hot things. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm given levels, I do what you do. When I'm given levels and I see hot, 
on the level, I go with the lowest hot thing because okay. I know it's not going to be like, it'll be hot, but it's not going to be hot. Yeah. If you get the context of that, but that there was no, like, like there was mild, medium and hot. Yeah. Like there was no like hot. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> like there's, there's no, you lost like, me. <laughs> yeah. There was, there was mild, medium, right? Uh-huh. But then there was like a giant, there was like a Grand Canyon jump into hot. There okay. wasn't like a, I get you. It wasn't like a, a normal hot. There was like freaking burn your mouth off hot. Yeah. Which is fine. I just wasn't prepared for it. Yeah. I think medium was like hot. Yeah, medium was probably the hot, right? Yeah, mild was probably the medium, <laughs> and uh, yeah, those are the things that you don't. And I, I learned my lesson. Uh, uh, I think it was Aaron, uh, who was over at Quali now. Uh, I think he was the one. He's like, anytime, anytime somebody presents you with hot, you always go, you always go down a step, dude. Yeah, you never know what their yeah. version of hot is. <laughs> no, I think it was Shane Guyman said you should always go with mild or medium when you first yeah. start a place. <laughs> Uh, I learned that another thing I learned in the in the break. Um, Workfront had this bicycle race. Did mm-hmm. you do the bicycle race? No way, I'm not doing that. Because they had this bicycle race. <laughs> they had two bikes they had set up right. Yeah. On, on on like the the standalone thing, so the bikes aren't running around anywhere. They're sitting right there. Yeah. They're fixed. They're stationary. <clears throat> stationary. That's the word I was looking for. I'm here um, for you, man. Yeah. <laughs> they had two stationary bikes, and then you race each other head to head. And they have this like water thing. You pump water up in this little lion's head thing. Yeah. And then whoever got the lion's head filled up faster <laughs> got, I think, a hat. I think from what I remember. I think the first day at least it was socks. From well, what you I got understand. socks to participate. Oh, really? Because I lost. So you just like yeah, get Nick, on the bike. Freaking Nick Bluthby me. Nick Bluthby. Yeah. So if you just get on the bike and you don't even pedal, you still get the socks? Well, I think you had to like, I, you couldn't just sit on the bike. You had okay. to compete. How do you know? But it was like it was like everybody gets a gold medal, everybody gets socks. <laughs> uh, but then you got if you won, you got the hat or whatever. Nice. And uh, one lesson I learned from that was watching Sarah Jasperson here at Canopy was um, <clears throat> when you're doing a bike race, breathe while you're doing the bike race. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it, it was like a two mile sprint. Yeah. So absolutely breathe. Please breathe while you're doing a two mile <laughs> she, sprint. She did not breathe for like. The rest of the day. Like, I was worried that we were going to have to call 911. It's like, are you okay? Are you legit okay? And it was awesome. She did it in heels. She did it in heels. And, and she went against the mighty Ben Peck. Yeah. And beat Ben she Peck. She beat him. And yeah. even one of her heels fell off. One of her heels fell off. From what I off, understand. Yeah. So, a lot of impressive things. Yeah. So, she did it without breathing in heels. Yeah. With- without breathing. <laughs> but she could have died. She put a lot. She put a lot out there. She yeah. raced a lot. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that's great. I, I admire that, but I would never do it. Yeah, I'm I'm good. I don't need to be um, <laughs> exercising. Yeah. Um, the other thing too is when you're out in the lobby, you should be be aware of your surroundings because at one point, Dana completely knocked over that water jug on the floor. Were you there? Did you see that? I did not see I that. I mean, it caused right during the break. Everybody's out there. Bam! <laughs> that's water all over the place. Everybody <laughs> clapped. It was great. <laughs> It's so embarrassing. I've never seen Nathan's face so red in my life. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> um, another thing, another lesson learned that I think we we had to teach the people about about going to a conference was um, hanging out, going out in the lobby and talking to people and meeting new people and hanging out and uh, yeah, that's hard to do. Walking around to the booths, and go, just saying, "Hey, my name is." <laughs> my is, name is, is that what you do? 
I, you I saw walk it. up, you say, "Hey, are you are you uh, are you this person?" You're like, yeah, or like uh, like a guy like Frank, right? Frank knows everybody's been around for a while in the community, so mm-hmm. uh, he knows a lot of people. He's worked with uh, plenty of people, so uh, hang around with them. You know, you know, you know that person, mm-hmm. and then just kind of say, "Hey, can you introduce me to so and so?" That's oh, what I was doing. Nice. I was like, "Hey, can you introduce me to this person? Can you introduce me to this person?" And go around. That's and great. Talk to those people. That's yeah. really great because I have some conference questions for oh, okay. you and that kind of answered one of them <laughs> because like i this is my second time going to front i haven't gone to a lot of conferences personally and mm-hmm. like i, I want to know like how how do you conference especially like as a designer <laughs> like um like you answered one of them that's it's a great solution for this question like my, my question was how do you network at a conference like yeah. it's it's kind of where you just walk up to somebody oh hey vanessa uh, my name's andy <laughs> what, what do you do you know like i think that's weird yeah. Is is that bad? Is that It's not weird. It's an icebreaker. It's not like you're asking anybody on a date or anything. Yeah. Like you're there you're all there for the same reason. It doesn't, you know. Okay. It's not that hard. So I think the easier thing would be like <laughs> I think the easier thing would be like what I kind of said already it was like find somebody who's yeah. who kind of has connections that you know already that you work with cuz mm-hmm. they're out there. Everybody's out there. And then just be like, "Hey, you know, can you introduce me to that person that you used to work with? Are they here? Yeah. Or, you know, this yeah. kind of person here? Did you see them here? That kind of thing." Um and then, yeah, people are like, hey, this is, you know, hey, so, hey, hey, Frank, this is Patrick. Patrick, this is Frank. Like, and then, and then, boom, magic happens. Magic happens. So yeah. if, if you don't have a connection, somebody who's been working in this in community for so long, just, just reach out to Frank, apparently. Yeah. Because he knows everybody. Frank, Frank Dankwa, reach out to him. He yeah. knows a lot of people. Yeah. If you see him and walk up to him and say, hey, Frank, I'm so-and-so. <laughs> And then from yeah, magic. It's and all then you're done. There. Yeah, then you're done. It's like all over the place. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I'm I'm just gonna have Frank introduce me to everybody. There's, there's a lot of people I still don't know. There's there's plenty of designers I still don't know. So um, yeah, I'll just have Frank show me around. Yeah, I'll do that. Um, so when you go to a conference, Patrick. <laughs> You sit there through all these, especially like this one, it's like a single track sort of thing. You just like mm-hmm. listen to the speakers. There's like a fire hose of information coming at you. How do you filter that, com- that all that information? What do you do about it? Like, what do you do personally? Um, what do I do personally? Yeah. I do jot down notes. Okay. Uh, I usually just use my phone because I don't, you, you know, I'm weird about people sitting next to me eating chips or <laughs> sketch notes or anything like all that stuff pisses me off because when I'm in a conference, I'm trying to listen. Yeah, and I don't like when people are next to me typing. Yeah, that that takes me out of what they're saying, and so I want to listen, and I'm listening for like I think I think the overall impact of a of a talk is gonna like not the nitty gritty like if you take notes on the entire thing mm-hmm. like I think you don't get the point sometimes I think you're so it was a camera who said it don't don't get involved in the minutia but the essential part of it that was Cameron again right? and you're there to pay attention. You're there to, to, to pay attention to what they're saying and like the essence of what they're trying to communicate. Yeah. So that's what you want to capture from it, whatever that's that is. Point. And so uh, I always just take notes on my phone. I'll just listen, have my phone out. Um, and then, yeah, if they if somebody says something really powerful or or a lot of times, too, I'll write up like uh, at the end of my notes. And, and this is what I kind of had on my notes was. That's why I kept saying, I don't know if they actually said this or if this is what I got. <laughs> but at the end of every talk that, that I find inspiring or something, I'll write what I actually learned from it. Just like okay. one line. Because I know I'm not going to be able to take everything back. The The other thing, too, I think when I listen to talks, 
um, I'm listening to the per- I'm listening to the talk because I-, I think some conferences too you're not as lucky, but I think at Front Conference hopefully they'll keep doing it. They'll publish their talks yeah uh, later on after so they have the video so you can if you want to go back and reference them you can later. Um, but it's like when you're at a movie, right? Like you're you're at Transformers, right? I'm not a Transformers. You're, you're, you're Transformers: Revenge of the Fallen. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're okay. I'll, let's pick a good movie. You're at. <laughs> You're you're in watching Fast and the Furious, you know, uh, nine, right? As you do, as you do, as everybody should. Yes, you don't you don't sit there and write notes. You don't sit there and like do all that. I mean, some people I do, but not everybody does. But you watch the movie, right? Yeah, and you enjoy the movie. That's mm-hmm. how I treat a conference. Is okay. I know I'm not going to learn everything from this. Like everything I bring back from what what is there like 15 speakers? Yeah, that's... like if I get three things out of the weekend from the speakers then I'm good. Like, so I'll just sit back, watch it. And then later on, I'll grab the DVD if I want to rewatch it. Right. Yeah. That's, that's a great point. I like that a lot. Cause you're, you're part of the experience. <laughs> and you also don't annoy me sitting next to you. Cause you're trying to like type up a bunch of freaking notes. Right? I was, I was totally doing that when yeah. I was sitting next to you. You're not doing sketch notes. Like I love the people. It takes a lot of talent to do sketch notes. I just don't want them sitting next to me. Yeah. They should all sit in a, a section. They should have a sketch note area. Like, yeah, it's like smoking, like it smoking versus non-smoking. Do you want notes versus yeah. actually living the experience? Yes, yeah, smoking versus non-smoking is a little weird because there's there's a little bit more of a connotation about those people. Those people, yeah, <laughs> smokers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we don't want to make that. We don't want to make that connection. Like the people who the people who um, the people who take sketch notes are good people. But smokers, say, smokers aren't. Is that what you're saying? Hey, I'm, I'm, I mean, if you want to take it that way, that's probably what I meant. Yes, but <laughs> we don't want to put them in a little glass box somewhere where they're like, "Oh, look at those people over there doing that terrible habit." Like, we don't want to do that. Oh, I, I don't think it's a terrible yeah. habit. Sketch notes or smoking? Yeah. Sketch notes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they can all sit next to each other with their clickety clackety <laughs> keyboards, and then the other people want to just sit and. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. just listen can do that. Mm-hmm. So great. Those are those are some. Those are the only, those are some the questions great. you had uh, for me on how, how to I have I have one more. Oh, so I I imagine I, I think there was like <laughs> nine hundred or so people that attended this conference. From what I understand, I could be wrong. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot, but I imagine there's a lot more that could not attend it. Mm-hmm. And I even talked to one designer that said. His company would not pay for it, so he did it that is out, of his, out of his own pocket. He's like, yeah. "I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do it myself, right?" Yeah, I hope he networked a lot. Yeah, so he could find a company <laughs> that would actually send him to the conference. seriously. I think it's great. It's terrible. I love how Canopy sent us, and I, yeah. I think it's really great. But how do you get a company to send you to a conference if they don't want to, or if they're not like? already doing it yeah you ask that's that's the first thing asking it's is the good. same thing you talked about when you're going to ask vanessa <laughs> about it was vanessa right <laughs> i don't know <laughs> uh you just you got to walk up and ask you gotta be brave enough to like ask for yeah them. you gotta be hey we're going right yeah like we we should do this <laughs> the other thing too is uh it's for for us it's kind of a no-brainer to go to front because we don't have to like put everybody up in a hotel and fly them all out somewhere right? yeah so that, I think that's the first thing is look for the ones that, that are local to your community and go to those, right? Because then they're usually cheaper mm-hmm. because, I mean, they're just, even if the ticket price is the same, 
they're, they're going to save you a ton of money because you're not flying people and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think I've always worked for companies that kind of agreed and thought it was good. The, okay. the other thing that might help too is um, have somebody have like, say, the VP of product at your company speak at the conference. That is a really good in. Like maybe that? talk to them about, maybe say, hey, uh, we want to go to this conference, but I wonder if uh, <laughs> maybe you should speak at the conference. Yeah. Because not only you're like, oh, yeah, he's he thinks I'm really smart. I should speak at the conference. Yeah, we should pay for everybody to go see me speak. <laughs> so this is how you did it then. Yeah. Okay. But I think Nate didn't want us to go. Really? Yeah. We'll have to talk to him about yeah, that. We'll have to find it out. But I think I think deep down inside, he didn't really want us to go. <laughs> I don't think I don't think if I was speaking in front, I would want my team to come heckle me. Yeah. Because you know I. We could have done some bad things. We could have heckled him, and we, we were we were close. Stuff. You had lots of plans, mm-hmm. but you didn't you didn't follow yeah. through with any of those. But we care about Nate, so yeah. we didn't we didn't actually go through with those. But <laughs> like you just never know. You're putting yourself out there, and then if there's people in the audience that will see you on Monday, that's that's even worse because half the other people you never you may never see them again. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, definitely. So great. That, that's all great yeah. advice. The other thing too is I always have breakfast before I go because you never know. Because uh, you can't rely on a conference breakfast. Not always. You know, yeah. Apparently, so I you gave me this advice before front, like Wednesday, <laughs> like four o'clock Wednesday or whatever. <laughs> and apparently, and so like I get breakfast before I go, and apparently the breakfast is really good. Did you have breakfast? But see, I didn't. I didn't get to have breakfast first day because yeah, yeah. they had those like sausage things or you whatever. You didn't have breakfast the first day. No, I. I, what I, were you thinking? I I'm sorry. I had breakfast before. Yeah, I didn't have it at the conference. You didn't have it at the conference. No. Okay, so here's here's the philosophy. I think this is where we went awry. This is where we messed up on okay. you. Okay. Okay, because I had breakfast Thursday morning, and then when I got to front, I also had breakfast <laughs> <laughs> because I sized it up and said, "Oh, freaking those sausage kebabs with the pancakes or waffles in the middle of them! Holy cow, that was good. That was that was the best conference breakfast I've ever had." But you want to be prepared. Be prepared. Because you don't want to show up. You, you don't want to plan on having good breakfast. See? So on the way, hit McDonald's, get a sausage biscuit. So that way, you're not going to wither away and be all hangry at 1130 <laughs> before before lunch. Okay. <clears throat> but you can always add, right? Yeah. That's the one thing. But that's the great thing about our stomachs is we can always put more in them. <laughs> it's, harder, it's harder. To, yeah. It's harder to keep them empty it's easier to put more in them right that's true. so have your breakfast show up if the breakfast that is phenomenal is, that's you great. eat breakfast again there's nothing wrong with eating two breakfasts because guess what happened the next day i was pumped up this is what happened to me i was pumped up for the sausage kebabs again i was too and what happened they weren't there they weren't there don't count on conference breakfast I, I didn't get the sausage at all yeah. i didn't get to experience that see but I was fine because I had another I, – I ate breakfast already, so I got there. I was a little disappointed I didn't have them again, but then I was like, eh, but I'm fine. I already okay. had breakfast. That's that's a great that's point. That the, there could be a possible problem where you're too full after you eat two breakfasts. I don't know. Is it, what, what are you talking about? And then you're sitting two. there. You're sitting in your comfy seat, and it's like it's dark, and you're, you're trying to listen to a conference, and you start to get tired. Yeah. That's a problem. Oh, it's. Would you rather be tired and comfortable? Like, would you ever be tired and be like, "Yeah, I'm gonna take a nap." Yeah. Or would you rather be hangry? The guy next to you taking sketch notes. Great point. Great and point. Like, and you're turning into freaking Frankenstein. And you want to rip his face off. Yeah. 
Yeah, you don't want nice. that. You're gonna you don't hurt want people. That. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's when damage happens. Yeah. And you just might get the opportunity to ride a bike for <clears> two <throat> miles to just work off all that second breakfast. Yeah. So just Done. just count on that. Yeah. <laughs> You'll be good. Count on Sporkfront having their little bike <laughs> contest every year. <laughs> That's that's all the questions I have, Patrick. Speaking of, speaking of the design community, I am uh, I am very passionate about the design community, Andy, and I'll tell you the reason why. Tell me why. Okay, when I started my career in design, I did not know anyone. I was out. I was in college. I was out of college. Well, yeah, I was in and out of college. Wow, at the same time. At the same exact time. It's hard to do. No, I got my first job, and it was a small startup. There's only six of us in the office, right? And I was the only designer, and mm-hmm. I was basically like an intern. They hired me cheap. Because that was cheap. And uh, I didn't know what I was doing, right? And we were doing uh, mobile apps and we were doing uh, websites. I had no idea. Never designed a mobile app in my life. It was brand new. Um, and we were designing websites, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't have I didn't have the fortunate ability to, to come onto a design team like a lot of junior people do. Um, so it was just me. And I didn't know what I was doing. So I turned to the design community. So I tried to find people on Twitter uh, everywhere. Like I turned to it, try to find people I could talk to. And, uh, when you, when you reach out to Vanessa, like you talked about earlier and you actually reach out, you'll find that most people, uh, they'll, they'll, they'll answer your questions. Like if you want to DM some, somebody on Twitter, like they're like, don't be shy because their chances are they're going to reply back unless they're a total creep. But if they don't, then okay, that's fine. Don't yeah, bug them about it. Right? Very, yeah, I guess. Right. But there's plenty of people out there in the community that are willing to, you know, freely reach out and give you your advice. But I didn't know anybody locally. And then when I got into the uh, – but I wanted somebody I could just reach out to, like go have lunch with, you yeah. know, or or go get a coffee or something like that and talk about stuff, right? And and hopefully maybe they would show me how to do things, right? And so it wasn't until I kind of started meeting some people in the community. But there's still always kind of like this hole in the community, in my opinion, uh, where uh, the community here in Utah, like – I felt like it was everybody from the outside. We were pulling everybody from the outside to come teach us. Yeah. Right. But then when I started meeting people in our community, I realized that they, there's a lot of freaking smart people here and a lot of really good talent here. How do we get these people together in a room and talk about their problems rather than like uh, Mr. and Mrs. Silicon Valley coming in and talking about their high level weird problems that they have, you know? So back then, that's when we started Lunch UX. Do you remember Lunch UX, Andy? Probably I, not. I was never a part of Lunch UX, uh, Lunch UX unfortunately, but yeah, yeah. Now I know you about are. it. Yeah. Now you are. Because guess what we're doing, Andy? We're rebooting Lunch UX. Right? Yeah. For that same reason. Let's grow the community from within. I feel like we just we get bombarded from all these people from Facebook and Airbnb and blah, 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 blah all these people. But like, what about our problems? What about like, because most of us, most of the companies that uh, are here in Utah design community, we're like B2B companies, right? Yeah. We have different, like, we're enterprise. We have different problems that, like, you, you hear about Airbnb and you hear about Facebook and all these different things, and they're different products. They have different cultures than here in Utah. Yeah, yeah so we want to spin Lunch UX back up, right? It's more of a practical experience, Andy. It's more of how-to. It's more of getting Andy up on stage and talking about the problems he's dealing with, right? Yeah, it's, it's similar to, like, what we're doing with Design Much, this podcast. Yeah. We want to get, like, practical people that are, like, practicing their, their craft and hear what's working, what's not working, and mm-hmm. how we can get better and learn from them. Yeah. If you hear people that, like, we hear all the time, well, somebody's using Figma to do their design work. Well, let's go bring them in and have them do a little presentation on how they use Figma at their office. Yeah. Um, 
you know, people are doing different things. So yeah, we're gonna kick it off. We're gonna we're gonna we're the but yeah, we got the first one coming up. Uh I'll be I'll be kicking off the first one. I'm excited for that. Yeah. June June 29th. Um adding friction to your design. That's what I want to talk about. Something that's been bugging me for a long time. Yeah. So um and then how to. It's a how same same as design much, like how to do it. Not just like, hey, I'm gonna talk about design thinking again. Yeah. This is friction to design. It's more like, yeah, again, how to do it, right? Yeah, so how to do it. You can actually take this away and start actually doing it in your process. Yeah. So getting in the weeds and talking about how to do it. The other thing that's beautiful about Lunch UX is because they're not like public, they're not like paid speakers. They're not people that have done this. And a lot of times when we used to do it, <laughs> Most of these people have never given a presentation in front of an audience of 50 to 100 people before. Mm-hmm. So you know what that means, Andy? It means great stuff. It means freaking awkwardness. <laughs> it means failure. Yeah. It means watching a dude flame right on stage. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if you're like me. That's real, man. That's good stuff. It's good stuff. It's it's impactful stuff. <laughs> it's And it's funny. It's funny. It's entertaining. And you can learn from it. Yeah. They can learn from it. No. Everyone's true. just learning. Yeah. No, it's great. We've had we've had lots of weird experiences. Uh my boy Mark McClellan hit a girl in the face with a t shirt. Uh that was funny. That was a good that was a good that was a good time. We have a lot of good time at Lunch UX. It's not just stuffy like, ooh, this is this guy talking about design thinking. It's yeah. It's <laughs> talking about real things and then throwing t shirts in people's faces or people spilling food. That happened a lot too. People tripping and spilling food while Everything's happening, and then you know, like it's just like Danon's pulling the water <laughs> in front. <laughs> or like my favorite thing that happened to another friend of mine, Isaac, uh, at Zachtware in front of like a hundred people. He got a me- he got a text message on the screen that probably wasn't safe for work. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a shiny, polished thing. Yeah, and I think that's great. It's it's a lot more real and raw, um, and it's like when you. Not that I do it, but you watch a, those NASCAR races. People watch those to see people crash, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like going to a hockey game. Most of the time, I'm not going to see a hockey game to see the incredible play. Exactly. I'm, I want to see somebody get their face smashed up against the wall. <laughs> you want to see somebody lose their teeth. Definitely. So I'm excited. Lunch UX is happening. Again, yeah. June. It was that 29th? June 29th. So go to, go to meetup.com slash lunch UX. Sign up. We're using the old logo, the old George Bush eating a corn with a thing over his face. Which uh, one day you'll have to explain that logo. I don't know if I can ever explain it. <laughs> I, I, I think it captures the essence. <laughs> I just don't understand where it came from. Well, I liked, <laughs> I like the, I like the image. I've always thought George Bush was never. I was never a great fan of George Bush. Okay, uh, and I always liked that image of him just eating corn, like corn on the cob, for some reason. I don't know. I was just always like that. But then uh, I didn't know where to put the I didn't know where to put the lunch UX <laughs> like the title like do I put it underneath the picture or above or on the side and so I thought I just put it right over his eyes <laughs> but anyway yeah look for that look for that logo yeah it's great stuff come for the logo stay for the event <laughs> stay for the pizza stay for the pizza yeah. um. Yeah, so sign up for that. Um, we'll see you there, and we'll we'll have more information coming. We we don't have a location announced just yet. 
Yeah. Um, we'll have some more of that, those details coming and it's, it's at lunchtime. So it's 12 to one. Mm-hmm. So, um, be sure to attend. It's going to be yeah, once a month, just like the old, just once just a month. Like the old days. Yeah. Just, just yeah. come and learn something and, and, uh, do that thing. And we talked about earlier, networking, go talk to Vanessa. Yeah. Go talk. Don't, don't be shy. Andy. Don't be shy. Talk to Frank and Vanessa. Yeah. Talk to Frank. Frank will introduce you to Vanessa. Yeah. Yeah. Because. Awesome. Right. <laughs> okay. Bye Andy. See ya. <laughs>